Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. The host for this episode is Patrick Wu. Patrick is a freelance graphic designer, UX designer, and marketing consultant with a background in biotechnology and life sciences commercialization. His career has taken him across a wide range of areas, from sales and marketing, government advocacy, ecosystem development, and now design. Since 2016, he has since been an active member of the Rainforest community, advocating for technology innovation and life sciences in Alberta. Now let's get right to Patrick's conversation with Mackenzie Bedford. Take it away, Patrick. All right, thanks, Al. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, it's, it is a pleasure to uh, host the Rainforest podcast uh, for the very first time. Uh, and I have the distinct honor of welcoming Mackenzie Bedford as our first guest and my first guinea pig. So hi, Mackenzie. Uh, nice, to, nice to have you on. Hi, Patrick. Thanks so much for having me. Great. So how about uh, we start just by introducing yourself to the people who knew you, I guess, when you were involved with the Rainforest and what you're, what you're up to now? Yeah, for sure. So I got involved with the Rainforest as community manager. I was doing a lot of event planning, a lot of writing, a lot of social media. But um, before all of that, I had always been the weird art kid, and it was kind of calling to me again. And so I flew off into the creative space a bit more. And now I have found a interesting niche in between design, illustration and animation as a creative. It's been very exciting. Well, that, that is really exciting. How, I guess, I guess maybe the next question I want to ask you is like, what, like kind of what projects have you been working on lately then? Yeah, lots of really, really cool projects. Um, this year, honestly, has been such a boon for me. Um, you know, I started off with a really cool poster show um, with the Burnt Toast Studio, which is a really awesome art collective up in um, Northeast Calgary. They did this really cool words of affirmation poster show, um, curated 10 different artists from around the city. Um, so it was a real honor to be part of that. I got to be part of this really cool pro uh, festival called Northern Reflections in partnership with Chinook Blast. It's a confluence of mural painting, animation, and music all brought together with, art, uh, not artificial, but augmented reality. So, you know, me coming from Rainforest, talking about community and connecting and cross-pollinating skill sets, I always wanted to be part of Northern Reflections. So that was a really huge thing for me this year. But upcoming, I've got a couple cool projects, which I'm really excited to, to talk more about. I applied for a grant to work on an individual animation project called Beacon, and I got accepted. They gave me money. Congratulations. That is, that is, it, it's really great because I was, when we like kind of scheduled this call, like literally that afternoon, I saw your Instagram update and you're like, I, I'm being accepted for this, uh, for this Beacon project. And I'm like, oh, we are, we are going to have to talk about this. So I know. So tell us a bit about it. Like what, what is, what is Beacon? What is the, what is the story behind that? Yeah, there's a long and a short. So I started Beacon in May of 2020. Um, there's a really amazing organization in Calgary called Quick Draw Animation Society. 
I'm very involved with them. And every year over May long weekend, they have the animation lockdown. And so it is kind of like a game jam or a hackathon, but for animation. And so everybody comes together and you can either be by yourself on a team, but you got 48 hours or seven days or whatever to make an animation from start to finish, usually revolving around a theme. And so last year, it was, you know, the middle of the first lockdown, May. Uh, so QuickDraw took the event online, made it seven days, and it was my first time participating. So I just sat in my basement for seven days and pumped out a three-minute animation by myself. And um, if you're not familiar with animation, it takes a long time. Uh, typically, you want to draw like 12 frames for each second of animation. Um, and so you can kind of imagine the time that sort of thing takes. And so it was a huge learning curve. It was a huge, um, you know, benchmark in my animation skills. I'd only really started doing animation in 2018. And um, it just wouldn't go away in my brain, this beacon thing. I was so proud of it. I loved it. But I kind of wanted to do it again and do it better. And so, yeah, I just like it wouldn't leave my brain. And so I was like, you know what? Let's try it again and let's see if um, if I can really like hunker down and spend more than seven days on it. And so uh, I wrote out this huge plan. I It was like the second time I've ever written a grant. The first one just didn't even get read because COVID made everything crazy. So uh, yeah, so funny. So uh, my second ever grant proposal sent it off in September. And uh, in December, I got a email saying, uh, thank you so much for your proposal. We really, really loved it. But unfortunately, there's no funding for you at this time. And I was like, ah, that's grant life. You know, uh, it's the first time I ever actually had a response to a grant. So I wasn't really expecting an acceptance. Like, that's just not how arts and culture grants go. I'm, I'm going to ask you about that one in a little bit. But uh, yeah, how, how did you how did you end up like, like, you, I assume self taught then like, what, what do you use for your animation? Um, I use my iPad and Procreate. Procreate is a really awesome non-subscription drawing app that also has a pretty robust frame-by-frame -frame animation feature. So I'll usually do my frame-by-frame -frame in there and then I take it into um, After Effects for Adobe. So if um, people are familiar with like Photoshop or Illustrator and Pro or, um, Premiere, smush those two together and that's After Effects. <laughs> and so um, it's kind of like making all these little tiny pieces and then compositing them all in in a bigger program. But man, that's like actually like you're you're back to like frame by frame like hand drawn animations of your back in like the Disney days of like the 1940s, 1950s. Yeah. Really that that's that's really cool though. I I learned, you know, the, you're you're like not the first person that I I kind of talked to who was in the arts and culture space, but I'll be honest, I'm not actually that familiar with the arts and culture space. How does the granting process work in arts? Um this is my understanding, and if any arts and culture people are listening, especially if they're from the AFA, and I'm wrong, I'm so sorry. But my understanding is uh, they receive, the jury receives all of the proposals, and um, they're all experts in that field. So I applied for a film and video project, and so film and video experts were reviewing my project to see if it was feasible. And so they read them all, they do not look at the budget, they just look at the project, and then they recommend as many as they like. Boom, 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 boom. They put them in a tiered list, you know. And then 
however much funding they have, they just kind of go through that list until they run out. And at the time, I was kind of too low on the list. But then what's crazy is if you get recommended at the end of the grant cycle, sometimes, you know, someone didn't spend enough money or maybe the project fell through or something happened. And then so I had literally resubmitted the proposal. And then a week later, I got a message saying that my first proposal had gotten accepted. And so they're like, do you want to take the money now? Or do you want to wait for your second proposal of the same project to get accepted and maybe get money later? (laughs) And so I just went, I'll take the money now. Thank you. And um, I ran with it. So production starts. April 1st, I got six months to to get pre-production done. And holy smokes, I'm so freaking excited. So is it, will it just be like a one-woman show, or are you going to be bringing in a team to help you out with this? Uh, bits and pieces. So I would really, I have intentions to hire some local musicians. I'd really love to get um, a bespoke soundtrack for my, for my project. And um, I think for pre-production, it'll be a lot of me. But I think for the animation space, uh, if I could find funding to hire other animators and create a team, I think that'd be so cool to be able to support some other animators doing the thing they love. Yeah, I'm usually a lone wolf, but I've started to learn the power of of bringing other people on, and so we'll see where it goes. That that's exciting. Yeah, for for me, still as a working as a freelancer myself, sometimes I. You know, sometimes I wonder whether or not there there are projects where I'm just like, I need to bring someone in to help me out. But so so far, I'm the one who usually helps other people do their projects, because I'm usually the one who gets subcontracted out to other things. It's really interesting to kind of see it from the other perspective. And part of me is just like, I don't know if I can manage people. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that one goes. Um, yeah, good good luck with that for sure, because I think that's going to be a whole new set of challenges for you um, to to learn. But you know, you're. You're all, always learning, right? That's, that, that's what the whole rainforest uh, thing is about. One, one other question I wanted to ask you then, like, do you, do you find opportunities to kind of bring what you have, you know, what you've learned from the rainforest into your current work? Like, you know, I know art inherently kind of has like an innovation thing as part of it, but like, is there, have there been kind of opportunities that you see where you kind of combine a little bit of the two? Oh, yeah. I think all of the success that I have had up to this point I would chalk up to what I've learned through Rainforest Um, finding the opportunities finding the people to talk about how to get to those opportunities uh, figuring out how to you know find organizations that help you and care about you and want to help you succeed Uh, I would be nowhere without Quick Draw Animation Society I have been sponsored by um, Amas, which is the Alberta Media Arts Alliance. And they were someone who gave me money to take a 3D course, you know, and then through Media Arts, there's just this huge community that makes you feel so not alone. Does this sound familiar? And I don't think I would have known to look for any of that if I hadn't seen what it did for so many people through rainforest yeah these are organizations that i don't know a lot of people know very much about because you know being in kind of technology and stuff like that it's a little bit you know it's a little bit adjacent to the whole art scene but 
Concrete has a very vibrant art scene, or so I've been told many times, but I'll be honest with you, I don't know that many people in the circle. So do you find that, you know, the, the community has been really supportive for you? And have you gotten a chance to kind of collaborate with other communities outside of Calgary yet? Or are you hoping to at some point? Honestly, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I haven't really had a chance to get to too far outside of Calgary quite yet. I'd like to blame COVID, but I'm sure it's, yeah, I'm sure it's a couple other things too, but uh, I definitely am applying to out-of-town opportunities. There are networks within, you know, QuickDraw and with the other organizations that I'm part of that have those external networks as well. We, yeah, it's a, it's a step that I haven't been able to reach yet, but... Um, oh, yeah, it, it'll come eventually, right? Right? Yeah. No, I'm excited for it. How, how was doing art during COVID? Um, and I mean, every, everyone is like, how, how did you do things during COVID? But clearly you must have been able to, but like... Like, cause you, you got a lot of chances to do like outdoor murals and I saw a couple of your things on Instagram. I have four of your prints displayed on my, uh, on my like hallway wall right now is there are amazing by the way. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, it was interesting. I have to acknowledge that I am very lucky and very privileged to, you know, have a partner who was able to support us through COVID and who supports me and my crazy art ideas and doesn't want me to get a real job. And so I, I chalk up a lot of how far I've gotten so far to, to how lucky I am in that regard, you know, having a roof over my head and staying healthy. But um, it's been interesting. I don't think there was much of a transition that was tough for me because, you know, when I was running rainforest, it was remote. My office was my house. And so I never really had that work from home transition because I've never had an office. But I've started to notice and I've heard from other creatives that it's been getting hard to re-energize my inspiration. Um, creating doesn't happen in a vacuum. Even if you are working alone, Patrick, I'm sure you agree that you know, it's that back and forth and it's that conversation around the goals of the piece and what it needs to say and what it needs to do and how that all looks. And you can have a conversation with yourself so far and for so long, but, you know, it's been a year and a bit now in and uh, it's uh, starting to feel a little dry. <laughs> I mean, I, I think in I think you're not going to be the only one and it's not just going to be within arts or like creative work, right? Because you, you need creativity in all your other jobs, too. And so I think you'll find a lot of people in the community who are like understanding and sympathetic to just sometimes you you just need to bounce ideas off of people and you can you can only kind of rubber duck your way through a creative thing for so long before. Um, you start, you start kind of, well, at least for me, like I start going into a whole like cycle of self-guessing, like second guessing and what in the world am I doing? What is life? What is reality? Is there, is there a kind of like, like, do you find that freelancing has been a lot more fulfilling for you these, like these days compared to working for a quote unquote office, even though you were also working from home? Great question. Yeah. It's, it's a double-edged sword, you know, um, it's a lot of entrepreneurs probably feel the same way you you love the control and yet you kind of feel controlled by it sometimes um i do definitely feel more empowered with the work that i'm doing i feel like i'm building my own legacy now i feel like i'm building my brand and i feel like i'm able to build 
out something that resonates with me 100%. Rainforest always resonated with me, but uh, the work that I get to do now just feels so authentically me. And that's so nice. It's, uh, sorry, what was the second part of your question? Well, it was, what do, what do you kind of enjoy about freelancing was what I kind of stumbled through. And so it, so it sounds like that's kind of what you're, what you're getting at, right? You have freedom, you have authenticity, you, you feel very in control about what you're, what you're planning to do. Um, maybe then the other side of the coin is like, what's been really difficult for you as a freelancer, especially one that started during kind of like a pandemic era? Um, you know, I don't think my challenges as a freelancer are that unique to to others. Uh, me and my girlfriend, we always joke that I'm kind of like, when money? When money next? Because, you know, even if you got a job, maybe they are dragging their feet to send that invoice over, you know? And so it's just kind of this, uh, it's always this constant balance that I'm starting to figure out of planting the seeds for new projects in a couple weeks but then also managing the deadlines I have now. And it's sort of kind of turned into this push and pull that was very stressful and very difficult for me to do this past year. But I think I'm starting to starting to get it. It's all about just kind of throwing. Well, it, it's good that you only took a year to do so, because for me, it took me like three for me to kind of figure out a, a thing of like never, never necessarily say no to an opportunity. And then you feel really bad when like, seven opportunities come in at once and you can only take three because your bandwidth is broke is like taken up uh but definitely definitely that feast and famine kind of lifestyle is not for everyone uh especially especially for that and it's um it is definitely challenging for her and i think a lot of other freelancers will will appreciate that but what have, what have you kind of learned through your experiences so far like any tips that you might want to give to other freelancers maybe uh Kind of going what I was back to what I was just saying about like that that cycle of planting the seeds to sow later is such a far sighted thing that new freelancers don't necessarily think of. They're like, okay, I got my client now, and then this will get me new work later because I'm gonna crush this project, and they're just gonna like hire me on a retainer. It's perfect, and then that usually doesn't happen, and then all of a sudden you have been so heads down on this crazy project that, you know, I was probably taking a little sideways and probably went over a couple hours. And then you, you, you finish it and you're out in the clear of the other side. And then there's no money coming up next. And then you're just kind of, you just gotta always just have that foresight. Um, and I think always having confidence in your value, you know, um, this year, I raised my prices. This year, I am a lot more on top of people who take a while to pay me. This year, I'm a lot more upfront about my quotes. This year, I don't try to undercut my time. Um, and that was really hard to do for a really long time. Uh, you know, I could go on about all of the facets that make it difficult, but I, I think there's a reason why a lot of creatives like struggle with that kind of stuff. And like for me, I, I went through that whole thing too, where like I was willing to undercut myself, undercut my rates, or undercut my value just so I can say that I have a job, even though in the end it was like the amount of time and energy that you're putting into it is not necessarily worth what you what you get out of it. Because in the end, you still kind of need the money to live um and and do all that kind of stuff um 
And I mean, I don't know if you've listened to um, Chris Doe and, and the Future podcast. Well, you, you said you did mention that you weren't a really big podcast kind of person. But for everyone else who's listening, uh, who is in a creative position, consider looking at uh, Chris Doe and in uh, the Future with no E. Um, the, it's a it's a podcast series that kind of basically the goal is to teach creatives how to do business, uh, especially because a lot of creatives don't necessarily learn that kind of stuff. School, right? Yes, that's a huge skill. I chalk up any success I have to not screwing this up to my marketing degree. <laughs> I was gonna, I was going to ask you about the about your education. Then, like, was it a design education? But it's a, it's a marketing education, and you also have the have the benefit of being surrounded by all these entrepreneurs. And like, when you're during your time at the rainforest, who hopefully have kind of pointed you in in those kinds of directions to be a little bit more of a hustler than than anything else, right? Definitely. Um, you know, I think it even went further back. I uh, was raised by entrepreneurs and um, they, my mom was a ceramicist. She did pottery her entire life. Um, she uh, she kind of like raised me on the backside of a farmer's market table. <laughs> so uh, I saw a lot of the blood, sweat and tears that goes into, you know, small business as a creative. And I saw my dad, as a serial entrepreneur, try several different routes and, um, you know, figuring out ways to support each other. And so I saw my parents do that. And I was like, that's a lot of hard work. I don't want to do that. And so I <laughs> I got a visual arts diploma. And then I was serving for a while. And I was like, I don't want to sit or I want a job where I could sit down. So I went back to school and I got a marketing degree. And then, you know, I just had to follow the call. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and I have my own small business as much as I didn't want to in the first place. That's, that's really funny because that's exactly how I came out of it with a science degree and saying like, oh, you know, I'm just going to I'm just going to work for someone who will pay me a T4 and then I'll just, you know, not have to worry about my taxes. And now like throughout all my various side hustles, all my side hustles have rolled together. And I also call myself an accidental entrepreneur because sudden, suddenly I have to do accounting and suddenly I have to like put in balance sheets for, for the CRA. I, I have a feeling that we're, we're not the only ones. I have, I have a feeling that a lot of other freelancers have kind of fallen, stumbled into this quote unquote accidentally. Right. So you, you mentioned at the very beginning of this, that you were, you were kind of the quote unquote weird art kid. Like what, what were you like as a, as a kid? <laughs> um, it's funny you ask that because I've been talking about it a lot as I write about like my artist bios these days. I've been trying to figure out what my artistic practice is and I've been hearkening back to the days of growing up in Golden, BC, which was a small little mountain town. Um, the, the town that everyone passes by as they're driving to Vancouver, right? Yeah. Oh my God. If I had a dollar for every time somebody told me that. <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. I love it. I lived 15 minutes south of Golden, so I lived even smaller, more rural, um, little, little, little hamlet. And uh, I was in the closet. You know, I knew I was some kind of queer kid, and but I didn't really feel like I needed to let a lot of people know. And so um, I spent a lot of time on the internet, and I spent a lot of time alone. I was an introvert, and I liked exploring worlds that I couldn't find in Golden. <laughs> and um, I think that exposed me to, you know, a lot of cool like sci-fi stuff and a lot of cool 
ideas and a lot of queer ideas that were not available in my small town of 3,000 people. And I brought those ideas to school. And I brought kind of, you know, that love for cartoons and anime to grade 12 and my Pikachu shirt and my, you know, matching earrings. And it's just kind of hard to be understood in a town that small. And it's hard to uh, find your people. So it's... Uh, Part of me is wondering where you found this Pikachu shirt because I really wanted. I would have. I would have loved to have a Pikachu shirt when I when I was. I think I got it in Japan. I'm sorry. I went to Japan when I was in grade. Oh, yeah. So I was just like this weird art kid, and I love to dance. I love to sing. I thought I was going to be on Broadway. Like I was a mix of theater and art, so I was the worst. And um, <laughs> and. Uh, I didn't get into the theater program I wanted to. And then I accidentally got into the visual arts program that I forgot I even applied to. And the rest is kind of history, you know? Um, I mean, art was kind of always a part of your life, even through your, even like from when you were raised then. Yeah, like my parents didn't really, like they needed toys for me, obviously, because I was a spoiled brat. But like my parents just needed a piece of paper and a pencil to keep me occupied most of the time um, because I just needed to doodle draw a little comic and i've seen some of your work and for everyone else you should definitely check out mackenziebedford.com i believe is the uh, url uh, a lot of a lot of your artwork and prints are currently on sale right they are till march 31st <laughs> Ooh, exciting um yeah i mean even because it's funny that you mentioned the sci-fi um influences because you can definitely see a lot of that in in your work uh, a lot of um I remember there was one series on uh, well, even the prints that I have right now. One of them is one of them is a hand holding a planet, and uh, also the one the one um, I forgot what it was called, but the one uh, with the woman in the space helmet as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I just call her cracked. <laughs> I have some stickers of her made now. Oh, exciting! Yeah, lots, lots of merch available too, and they're all they're all beautiful and shiny, and the and the cardstock is like really really nice. So you know, just I'm not I'm not supposed to be selling too much of this kind of stuff, so it's, I'm doing it for you. Um, but uh, maybe the last thing is, um, and is there any kind of is there anything else that's been like really biting at you, like something that you just really want to tell uh tell the audience out here? Um, I think when I like when you reach out to check in, if you want to call it that. Um, I was like, oh, geez, what have I done since Rainforest? And, you know, we've chatted and I think, um, I think it's safe to say that I've done okay. And I think a lot of that is honestly up to the fact that I've just kept trying things. I kept learning and I kept applying to things and I looked for those little nuggets of resources that could take me to, um, other opportunities. And so I think whether it's arts and culture, whether it's the tech space, whether it's wherever you are, there is a community there already. Um, it just depends on the size. And then I think then it's up to you to see what sort of impact you want to make on that size. I definitely have fallen in love with Calgary's art and culture community, and I really hope that I can help grow it. I hope that one day, you know, the arts and culture and the tech side can both play with each other a bit more. You know, I want to see more Northern Reflections, more of the Chinook Blast Festival we had this year. And I think that if Calgary's communities, from what I've seen, those two that I've been a part of, if they just started to talk more, if they started to play together more, Calgary could 
even be more established as a destination for innovation. Sounds like we should be seeing something from you at Beakerhead in the coming years then, isn't it? Fingers that right? crossed. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Really a bucket list dream. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this is really insightful for me as well, because like I said, I haven't actually like known that much about our, our arts and culture scene, but it's a lot more vibrant than I think a lot of us realize. And so, you know, this this has been really awesome to kind of get some insights from from someone who has been involved in that for the past year or so. Where can, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on a couple places. Like you mentioned, I have a website, MackenzieBedford.com. Um, and that has all of my socials, but you can find me on Instagram at Mackenzie Bedford. And uh, I will be creating a Patreon soon for pre-production of Beacon. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that on these things, but um, you can find me in a couple places. And uh, I hope I find you around too. Well, if, some, if someone is listening to this podcast sometime in the future, go and check out and see if the Patreon is, is up and running, right? Fingers crossed. But yeah, like, um, I, I think this has been a really awesome conversation. Thank you so, so much for, for your time. And thank you so much for sharing sharing what you've been up to uh, since, since uh, well, it's since the last talk, which was quite a while ago, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it was very shortly after I left Rainforest. Well, when we were still allowed to meet in person, but really like the whole of last year just does not count. So, you know, we'll we'll find opportunities to, to see each other again. But uh, thank, thank you again for joining us. And uh, thank you all to our listeners for uh, joining us in this conversation. And take it away, Al. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by Community Now Magazine. Engage, inspire, educate together. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.